0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 47 of The Home Hour. This is the show where we talk about your family, food, parenting, and everything that goes on inside your four walls. I'm your host, Megan Francis, Mama Five, and creator of the happiest home blog. Glad you're here. So this is a special episode for two reasons. First of all, we have a fabulous guest that I'm very excited about, but also I'm actually taping this intro from my hotel room in Las Vegas, where I am attending the Consumer Electronics Show on behalf of Whirlpool uh, Corporation and Brand, which is a big corporation in my little town, um, employs lots of my friends and acquaintances and neighbors and is a huge presence in my little community. So I have a lot of connections with this brand, um, not only having worked with them in the past on the blog, but also just Them employing and so many of the people that are in my life regularly, and also just being a big presence in the community and giving back a lot. So, I'm really excited to be here learning about their kitchen of the future and also some other technology that they're working on to make our home lives more connected and simpler. And I'll talk about that more in an episode next week. Um, if you check back to episode 48 of the Home Hour, it will actually be all, or at least mostly, um, recorded right here in Las Vegas with some of the other bloggers who are here with me. It's a lot of fun. But I want to get to our guest today, who is Karen Walrant. Karen has been blogging for a long time, um, since... Blogs were really on most people's radars, I think, and before that, um, I believe her blog Chukunluks has been around since 2004 or maybe even before that. She is a photographer, a former attorney, or a former practicing attorney, still technically an attorney. She's also a mother and an advocate and an activist and does so many awesome things on the internet, and she's one of those people that really makes the online world a better place to be, and I'm thrilled to have her on the show today to talk about Living with Intention in 2015. So we talked about Karen's sort of journey from being an attorney to um, becoming a parent and then also becoming a blogger and then slowly shifting what she was doing from her job as an attorney in this kind of fast-paced environment to now... This much more creative life as a blogger and a photographer. Um, She has some really great things to say about that. We also talk a little bit about old school blogging versus newer blogging. And if you've been reading um, The Happiest Home at All, you may know that I posted just the other day about my intentions for 2015 as regards the blog and how I definitely plan on slowing down and focusing more on better content, um, deeper content things that you really want to hear um, from me that are tend to be a little more personal and things that sometimes when we're rushing to just get a lot of stuff out there can get kind of swept under the rug. So I've definitely put my focus on quality for 2015. And I think that that is something um, Karen has always focused on, which is why she's such a great guest to have on today. So I'll stop talking now and just get right to our interview. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Karen. So glad to have you on the show.
1: Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, no problem. I'm really looking forward to this because, um, like I mentioned in the intro, I have been following you online since, I don't know, probably 2005. And yeah, it's been, or I don't know, 2006, a long time, since when I was really more of a blog reader than a blogger. Um, And it's Uh just been really fun to watch the evolution of what you're doing and what other people who started off really early um how they've sort of evolved. And I have to ask you this because I know people out there are, are probably wondering, can you please pronounce the name of your blog so that I don't screw it up?
1: <laughs> sure. It's Chukulungs. Okay, that's it's, what I thought. Yeah, but... what, yeah, once you can once you can spell it, you can say it. Just okay. Chukulunks.
0: I always find myself wanting to add an extra N. Yeah. That's not
1: yeah well there.
0: actually, you know, it's it's a Trinidadian word that okay. we use um to
1: mean sweetheart, but particularly oh. with children. Okay. And so, and people vary it all the time. So some people say chunkalunks. Some people say chunksy wonksy. Some people say chunks. <laughs> so even if you add a couple extra letters, it's okay. It's, it's okay.
0: Thing. Okay, yeah. that's good to know. <laughs> so we're here to talk about living with intention in 2015. Um, this will go live just right after the new year. And I know that, that that intention has become such a huge buzzword. And I guess, I mean, I know it's something that we all throw around in this kind of creative space. So I'd love to hear from you what you think... It sort of means to create an intention around your life or live with intention, and then we can sort of use that as a springboard for the rest of our conversation.
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I've said this before um, online and to pretty much anybody who'd listen, actually, um, that I think uh, up until maybe a few years ago, I always thought that the purpose of life was just to kind of make your way through it and just life would throw things at you. And, um, and you would just sort of deal with it. And if it was a happy thing, you were happy. And if it was a bad thing, you sort of plugged through and, um, and did the best you could. And, and while that's certainly an acceptable way to live, I decided for myself that I wanted more than that. And it, it suddenly occurred to me that I could actually curate a good life, that I could actually decide, um, how to make my life better, how to make my life happier, how to make, um my Both my personal and professional life, something that I was excited that to live it was um I think it's the difference between surviving and thriving mm-hmm. and uh yeah, so I you know it, it is a buzzword, and you do hear it a lot, but i think um I think it's a buzzword buzzword that should stick because I think that <laughs> that we can make ourselves um live fulfilling lives if only we put our mind to it
0: I love that, and I think that a lot of times it sounds a little woo woo. Um, Mm -hmm. and like magical thinking, but really it's action. It's really choosing
1: for sure. I mean, absolutely for sure. And, and once you start on the, um, on the path of saying, okay, this is what I want in my life. And this is what I will no longer, um, put up with in my life. It becomes easier and easier and easier, I think. And you start to realize kind of how much power you actually have over your own, um, over your own joy. So I, you know, I'm a, I, it may sound woo woo, but, uh, I am uh, my background is very technical. I'm an engineer and a lawyer. Yeah. And, and I actually come at it from a very sort of um, practical, no, uh, this logical um, point of view, because I think it's the only way to really live a good life.
0: Right. And uh, so, okay, talk about that a little bit, because um, I know that, are you currently practicing as I don't an attorney?
1: Pra- yeah, I don't. I'm still a licensed attorney, but I don't currently practice.
0: Okay. So, but when you kind of started this journey, like, I think when you, when I was first, aware of your blog, I kind of feel like maybe you still were Yes. Then, okay. I, yeah. So can you talk about how that's shifted over the last God, has it been almost a decade? I it's been a decade, yeah. right? That you've been I, I mean
1: thousand four <laughs> is when I started blogging. Oh my goodness. So it's it's coming up on eleven years actually. Yeah. Wow um, Yeah. So uh when I first started blogging, um it was actually when I started blogging when the word blog was very new to me. It was something I'd never heard of before, and actually back then it wasn't called a blog; it was called a weblog. Oh
0: yes, I remember
1: those. Days. Um, yes, exactly. And I, uh, I, my husband and I were in the process of adopting our daughter, and my family is from the Caribbean, from Trinidad, and my husband's family is from England, and they were feeling really disconnected um, from the process, from what we were going through. And so I was online googling something one night, and I came across this weblog. Um, written by a woman who actually does not blog anymore. Her name's Megan Marone, awesome woman. Okay. And I was like, whoa, this is an a online diary. This is sort of cool. And so I emailed her and said, how are you making the internet do this? This is crazy. <laughs> and she was kind enough to actually uh, point me toward TypePad, um, yes. which is what I used at the very beginning. And it was really just um, something to keep our families up to date. I didn't expect anybody to be looking at it at all. Um, I... The only reason I didn't password protect it was because I figured, um, that our parents were not particularly web savvy and, and ask, adding a password would make at a level of complication that I didn't want them to have to deal with. Um, so the, so I, you know, I just started writing about, about our process and really thinking that they were the only ones and some close friends that I told about it. Um, and there was certainly never in any intention in my part to make a living at it or, you know, I was a lawyer. I was full on lawyering and um, and thought I'd be lawyering for the rest of my working life. And uh, yes, and things, you know, things sort of changed. Um, eventually, you know, people, an audience came and I realized that I loved shooting and writing way more than I loved lawyering. And so eventually um, I stopped practicing. But, you know, I still I, you know, I still do a lot of stuff um, in the legal field. I do a lot of public speaking. Uh, with lawyers. I keep my license active. I take the, the online courses and the, and the conferences that I need to, to keep my license going, but I don't practice anymore. No.
0: I should mention that, um, Karen is a photographer, so by shooting, she means shooting photography. Yes, I know. I <laughs> and not at a range.
1: Because I live in Texas, <laughs> right? and everybody always assumes when I say shooting that I actually mean something a little more lethal, but exactly. no, no, just with a camera. With a
0: camera. <laughs> yeah. Yes, which can be lethal in its own way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, so this is something that has taken obviously more than a decade for you to shift. I mean, I guess a lot of people are probably listening to this, and, and I kind of feel like there's there's people fall into two camps and there's the people who have their, um, more technical job and it's their, it's their job and they're good at it and they, and they enjoy doing it. And then they have this creative pursuit that they do as a hobby or on the side. And then there's people who either have, or would really like to make their creative pursuit the job. Um, I'm wondering how you, and when you knew you fell into that latter camp and then kind of how you made that happen.
1: Um, yeah, so it's a big questions. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great question. And, um, part of it was circumstance and part of it was, um, was intention. Um, I was practicing law. Uh, I was practicing law and then I actually, I, I, my, my job changed at the company I was at. I was at a really uh, large, um, fortune 200 company and, um, I was the general counsel of a subsidiary of that company. And the CEO of that subsidiary went on to be the CEO of the large parent company, of one of the parent companies. And he invited me to be his chief of staff. And because I knew that after after being the general counsel of the subsidiary, my next job had to be with the parent company as a lawyer. And I actually wasn't really entirely sure that was the kind of law I wanted to practice. The subsidiary was a tech company. It was software. It was very sexy. And... um, (laughs) And the parent company w- was not as technical, and so or as technology driven, and so I was, um, so I was really actually thinking about leaving the company, um, not seriously, but wondering sort of where my next job was going to be. And and the CEO said, "Why don't you come be my general, ca- my my chief of staff for a year, and that way you can, you know, you'll be at my side, you'll get to see everything from sort of a bird's eye view, and um, and then you can decide." And so, of course, I took him up on that. It was an amazing year. It actually probably was my favorite year of my entire career, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't practicing law anymore. And um, at the end of the year, he quit, and my husband got an opportunity to go back to my homeland, to Trinidad, for his op- for his job. And I really hadn't seen anything within the legal department of the parent company that I wanted to do. So... I took it the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm going to, you know, my husband's got this great job in Trinidad, which is my homeland. And my, our daughter was one year old at this point. So I thought this is an opportunity for me to sort of back away from law and see if there's something else I want to do. And uh, it turns out that I I loved it. I mean, I, I, you know, now that I was not, you know, going to an office every day, I thought, well, I've got this blog, let's see what I can do with it. And I, you know, I I played with it and sort of grew it for a couple of years. And then we moved back to the U.S. And that same CEO had moved to another company and asked me to be his assistant general counsel Um, and actually begged me to. I I, I turned him down several times and he kept saying, no, come on back. And so I finally thought, all right, I'll come back. And I did it for a year and thought, you know what, I really I can't do this anymore and um, and left. And that was uh, six years ago. So um, almost seven years ago now. Wow. So. So yeah, so part of it was circumstance um but uh but also there was uh, the the blog had done so well as far as um an o- audience growing. Mm-hmm. Um I had a lot of really lovely feedback from people and so I um it, it made me think, oh, you know what? Maybe maybe there's something here. Maybe I'm I'm good enough to make a go of this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh,
0: no problem. So I'm I going just to that um, too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So um so yeah, so uh it was it was sort of both. Now, I will say that um you know, there are certain things that that I had done that or that we had done as a as a family that made it easy. For example, um my gig as, as a lawyer and my husband's gig was in the oil industry. Oh. And uh the oil industry tends to be really volatile. Like right mm-hmm. now, you know, actually oil prices have plummeted lately and there's going to be layoffs in the oil. You just never know, right? As the, as the market goes so so goes your job right and so when we when we moved back to the states and um even though i was coming back to be a lawyer and everything else we priced our life to live on one salary because we're like we never know who could possibly get laid off
0: right
1: you know so i had a lot of freedom like i could say well you know what if i quit my job we're not gonna have to worry about how to make the house payment because we had bought a house you know to live on Mm -hmm. the lesser of our salaries actually we we thought let's 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 build our life as if the person who's making the less amount of money is the only income we had. And so that, would, that made it a lot easier, obviously. Um, and then it was really kind of tough even once I'd quit, you know, because I was a photographer and I thought, well, that if I'm a photographer, I need to make money at it. And so I should be a wedding photographer. And that was awful for me. I was not a very good wedding photographer. Um, and it turned out, you know, that the things that, uh, that I loved about photography, if I did them in a way that I think most people would sort of expect of a photographer, it was no longer fun. It was a, it was a job and it was a chore and Mm -hmm. I didn't ever want photography to be that for me. So, um, it required, a you know, we're back to that word again. It required a lot of intention on my part and really sort of figuring out if I'm going to do this, how am I going to do this in a way that I don't hate it. Right. Or that it becomes, Mm -hmm. um, a chore for me. And I have no idea if I've answered your question or not. No, you have.
0: And actually I, I love this because, I think when people look in on somebody that they would consider a success story in their, whatever they're interested in, like for you um, being a photographer being a blogger, being an author, Mm -hmm. they often just see a smooth trajectory Yeah, and they don't see the places where you said, oh, I'm going to try being a wedding. And by the way, you're not the first photographer I've spoken to who said they tried being a wedding photographer and absolutely hated it. It must just take a certain kind of personality
1: and god bless them man yeah. god bless wedding photographers i can't do it, it yeah. it's, it's a very stressful job you know, and it
0: seems kind of like people management in a way more so than just taking pictures of the things that you want to take or maybe not people management but it's a different kind of
1: well for me stress. it's for me my my thing was if you screw up you can't reshoot right. right like it was just all that pressure it's not like you can restage the wedding you know right. so <laughs> right. there was all of that that right. for me was what was just so it wasn't you know being there, whatever. But it's like, what if I forgot to put a memory card in or say, so, you right, know, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have done that, but you know, or I, I had a setting wrong the entire time or, right, you know, yeah, like, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of pressure.
0: I can see that. And, and uh, so I love that, you know, you're so honest about how you did take some detours and yet those detours helped you get back on the path that you were meant to be on. And it takes time. I mean, it takes a long time for something. Yeah, like I lo- that I've always happen.
1: loved the phrase overnight success because I, <laughs> I have, I feel like, um, like probably ninety-nine point nine percent of the people that you think are overnight successes are absolutely not. Right. Uh, like they've you been... just didn't notice them until right. suddenly <laughs> exactly. yeah. like it's all of a yeah. sudden like, whoa, where'd they come from? But they've been slogging at it forever. Right. So um yeah. I think that's true. I I I you know, don't let anybody ever say that it's all luck, because it's right. I really don't yeah. think it is.
0: And the other thing I loved about what, you know, your story that you just shared is that It sounds to me like there are parts of your business that are truly business and but you've been able to hold sacred this thing that you love and make it not quite so you're still doing it the way you love to do it. And that's really important.
1: Yeah. You know, for me, you know, it it required a lot of introspection on my part. And um, I actually, if I could share this very silly story, but I actually sat down um, after I had quit my job as a lawyer, I was really sort of um, it was hard. It, like it was, it was hard because I had so much of my identity wrapped up in, in law and there was, um, you know, a, there was a lot of ego wrapped up in it. Like there's mm-hmm. something really sexy about being at a party and people go, what do you do? And you say, I'm a lawyer, right? I'm like it <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of, there was yeah. a lot of ego tied up in that. And that was really hard for me to let go of. And also hard for me to let go of, um, wasn't so much the, wasn't so much the, the, uh, well, I, you know, I went to law school, am I wasting all that education? That was never an issue so much as it was that even though I knew financially our family would be okay, did I owe them a duty to continue oh. to make the kind of money I was making as a lawyer, oh, yeah. um, and contribute to our family in the way that I had? Like, was it somehow disloyal to them to not be contributing that kind of money, um, to our home anymore? And so I had a lot of that, I had a lot of weird things like, what should my title be? Like, I don't, you know, I don't want to just say blogger because there's more. And so I went through this really, um, I pulled out my journal, I'm a huge journaler, and I sat down and I wrote a list of everything that I love to do, like everything, Um, from writing contracts and, um, and, and teaching about the law, to singing in my shower, to taking Elmer's glue and spreading it on my palm of my hand and letting it dry and peeling it off. Like I,
0: <laughs> I wrote everything down. Can right? you make a career out of that? Cause that I, sounds really you, fun. I know, right. It, so there's gotta be an so... Elmer's glue tester out there who just does that all day long. You
1: know, and it's so funny cause I say that and like every, like I, I say that a lot in public talks and every audience is like, Oh yeah, I love that. Like yeah. it's really funny. It's like one of those things that we never talk about, but we all love to do it anyway. <laughs> right. Um, so I made this list, and then I went through and I asked, "Okay, why do I love these things?" And as I went through and, and sort of really detailed this, I realized that um, that some patterns emerged. And for me, uh, public speaking, writing, and photography were the three things that I really, really love to do. Like I love those things. There's lots of other things I do. I love, like you know, I love to travel and I love to cook. And there's other things, but those three things kept coming up in the mm-hmm. list. And so. I decided at that point that, first of all, I'm not going to give myself a title. And to this day, I don't have a title on my business cards. Like, I don't – I just have my name and the site and how to contact me, but I don't put a title on my business cards. And then the second thing I, I promised myself was I was going to be open to whatever opportunities presented myself presented themselves to me. But I would only accept ones that either allowed me to do two of the three things, so speak and write or speak and shoot or write and shoot, whatever – um, two of the three things at the same time. So writing articles or doing a talk where I was using my imagery as part of my talk, or sounded like a whole lot of fun. Like something that it maybe <laughs> didn't invite it, but it just sounded so awesome to me. And that really helped me because I think, particularly when you're starting out, there's a lot of fear. Hmm. And so you sit there and go, Oh my gosh, I'm never gonna um, I'm never gonna make a money, so I have to take this wedding shoot. Or, right. you know, I'm not you know and then you end up being miserable and you end up not doing as great a job as you probably could and and your client probably can tell that you're not your heart's not into it and so um and so that you know i kind of put it out there that these are the three things i do and i'm available for these three things and and just saw what came at me and happily a lot of really amazing opportunities have come my way as a result
0: This is so interesting to me because when, you know, you're talking about this fear and I've felt that myself um, over and over and especially because every time I sort of reinvent myself a little bit, the fear comes back a little, you know, it's like, because then you're trying something new and you think, oh, what if this doesn't fly? And what if nobody likes me? And, you know, this is the last opportunity I'll ever have. But what I found, um, and this is probably a whole nother topic, but is that also when you're taking things on that don't serve you in that way, and I love how you you know, the only two out of three things, I right. love that as a, as kind of a way of measuring that or a benchmark, but you also, everything starts to feel kind of piecemeal. That's what I've also noticed. Like if I in a, um, a campaign or something that I'm not really into, yep, I feel sort of like I'm just on a conveyor belt <laughs> or like, yeah. on a, you know, or. Um, an assembly line, right? I'm just punching out pieces and I can't see what the pieces are coming together to do. And that's something that I feel like a lot of us who are in this kind of creative space, especially online are going through right now. Things have become very piecemeal yep, and not part of a bigger hole that we can see right now. Right. Um, so it's just an interesting place to be. I mean, I think, um, you know, I was thinking about this recently when I, I didn't realize this, but I became aware that there's a thing where, I don't know how this escaped my attention for so long. But bloggers have been hired only to do social media. So just like just tweets or just Facebook or yep. you know, sometimes just comments on posts on other sites. And yep. I think about that and I'm like, so I just feel like when you're trying to cobble together a bigger hole out of like all these little pieces that don't go to anything, yep. you know? So I guess, I mean, this is very much a tangent, but um, besides what you've already shared, which is genius, do you have other ways of kind of looking at the whole, the big picture that you're trying to create so that everything doesn't feel like it's just all over the place and not really taking you where you want to go.
1: Yeah, um for sure. And and uh and and honestly, I don't you know, I'm going to share this advice and I don't know if it's necessarily the best advice, but it's <laughs> because it may it may cut into the money that people make. We
0: love half-baked advice around here.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's really interesting like it's it's certainly advice that I follow in my life. Mm-hmm. Um but I, on one hand, I feel like it may, it ensures that the what I do is stuff that I find really fulfilling, and it definitely has to do with again the intentional thing that we were talking about. But on the other hand, I mean, there there are people who make a lot of money piecemealing,
0: and that's true, and um, and, and maybe are very good at it. I'm not, the, <laughs> I'm not one of those people. I am not one of those
1: people. And yeah. and and if that's if piecemealing is something that you're comfortable with, then maybe you don't need to l- listen to this advice, but. One of the things that I did um, a couple of years ago was I actually wrote a mission statement for my site, and it's it's not exactly the easiest thing to find on my site because I but you can find it. like if you know where to look you can you can read it, and I link to it sort of hidden it's sort of hidden um, within it, but it's broad enough that I use it for two things. One, one of the reasons I use it is it. Oh goodness. I'm sorry. Something just turned on. Go edit that. <laughs> I was, there we go. Let me turn that off. Sorry <laughs> okay. about that.
0: That's okay.
1: Um, I was pulling up my mission statement so I can, it read happens. It
0: things just turn on. sometimes. Sorry.
1: Okay. So, um, so I just pulled up the mission statement and this is sort of my thing to, um, to one to kind of let people who want to hire me know what I'm about for sure. And also it keeps me on the straight and narrow so I can remember to go, you know what, this, this campaign that people are inviting me to do does not serve what I want to be about, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, and especially this, this happened a lot because, because I'm a photographer and because, you know, I wrote a book called The Beauty of Different and people think that, oh, she's a beauty blogger. So. I'm going to pitch bronzer to her or I'm going to, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, I, you know, that's not, that's not the kind of blogging I do. So, um, so I'll just read a little bit of the, the mission statement. And I, I say that my mission is to engage in the rel- relentless pursuit of real uncontrived beauty in every form to illustrate that beauty is everywhere. And sometimes, especially in the most unlikely places and do- so doing to work tirelessly to counter negativity, violence, discrimination, and desperation and join forces with those who celebrate positivity, peace, kindness, and joy. To convince the skeptical of their uncommon beauty and create tools for helping the weary see beauty in their own lives. To provide hard, irrefutable evidence that there is good in the world and to be fiercely dedicated to showing how beautiful the planet really is one image at a time. So it took me a while to come up with this, but I love it because, one, I've had it for years now and it still works for me, even as I sort of change kind of the direction and sort of be very nuanced and okay, this year I'm going to be talking about this more often than that, but it still is all within that mission. Mm -hmm. And it helps me when somebody comes to me and says, "Uh, Karen, we want you to write about this mop or something, right? Like I can look at that and go, (laughs) you know what? That's not in furtherance of what I want to be about. And so I can turn it down. Um, But somebody might come to me and ask me about something else. And I'm like, you know what? I can really work that into what I'm about. And I think it, the the reason it works for me is one i always find what i do when i do a sponsored campaign pretty fulfilling because it it i won't accept it unless it falls into this mm-hmm. and secondly my readers have come to expect something from me and it doesn't look like i've gone off the deep end or around the right. bend because i accepted something like it it works with it what fits. i'm about
0: so this is brought up to first of all i definitely want to circle back to the money Part because I think that that for anyone who's wanting to start a business or um, get paid for their art, it's yeah. it's an issue, right? For some sure. of us more than others. But I want to really kind of hone in on when you were the process of putting together this mission statement, um, which I love. Yeah. I think that sometimes we get caught up in the trappings or the window dressing of what we think we are, and not the fundamentals. So I'm wondering how you know when you made that list, the list with the Elmer's glue hand and all that. Yeah. <laughs> how did you separate out? What was maybe a passing fancy or something you like to do but could live without? yep, from the fundamentals, what you well, are, so and- that's so that was after
1: I had made this list, this like exhaustive list of whatever, of singing in the shower or whatever, right. you know, <laughs> reading to my kid or whatever, i I went back to that list. like I exhausted it. I literally put everything down. and then I exhausted it and went back and said, okay, why do I love to do that? Right. Mm. So for example, and what was interesting about, about that process is it turns out that the reasons why I love to do certain things might not be the same reason why you love to do that same thing. So for example, um, like, let's just use this as an example. Like if I said, I loved cooking, right. Some people might love to cook because, um, they love the chemistry of, 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 of cooking, right? They love how mm. things, some people like to, have to cook because they like to create beautiful tastes. I like to cook because if I'm cooking, I'm generally cooking Caribbean food and it means that family is getting together and mm. I'm creating a space for family. And so you start to see um, different things. Some people love to read because it t- takes them to a different place in their, you know, it, it, it inspires their imagination. I love to read because I love to see how people use language. I love to yeah. see how authors take a turn of phrase. And so, it was it was the process of going through um, and asking myself why do I love to do that that the patterns emerged. So it turns out that that my love of creating PowerPoint, for example, and um, <laughs> and singing in the shower and reading out loud to my kid had to do with vocal expression, right? Mm. And so that's how I was like, oh, you know what? Public speaking is something I really really love. The Elmer's glue thing had to do with looking at the details of. Of what the, the glue look did the, of my right. fingerprints, right? Yeah. And so it was all about the um the imagery of the details. And so for me, that's what that played to the photography thing. Mm-hmm. And so it was really the why do I love to do this? What is it that I'm I'm tapping into every time I do these things that is really core to what lights me up? And that was where it kind of came came for me.
0: And I love that then you were able to, and I'm not sure which came first, but when you wrote your mission statement. I'm imagining that you were then able to, cause that's more about who you are yeah. than what you do, but the, what you do can lead to the, who you are
1: yes. and vice versa. Yeah. I wrote the mission statement actually years later. I, I, yeah. I, I did that exercise pretty soon after I quit the, um, the, the listing exercise pretty soon after I quit my job. So it was about six years ago and the mission statements probably only maybe three or four years old. It was something that Um, after doing what I loved a lot, I thought, well, what is it that I'm, that I really want this to be about? Hmm. Um, And I just thought about, you know, you know, things like, um, like, what is it that I, like, one of the things that I love to do, for example, is travel. And I'm like, what is it about travel that I really, really love? And what is it about photography that I really, really love? And for me, it was definitely about connection. And it was definitely about um, seeing the beautiful different in people and in places. And it was definitely about sharing that with people. And so that helped, you know, that helped create what that mission was, because I'm like, that's what I love to do. And I want to do more of that. And so it was, Um, and then also, what are the things that make me really angry, right? So Mm -hmm. that's why I was like, work tirelessly to counter negativity, violence, discrimination, and desperation. Like, those are things that really fire me up. If I see that in the news or something, Mm -hmm. I want to do something about it. And if there's a way that I can use um, the things that I love to do to help fight that, that I definitely want my work to be about that. And so it was definitely, you know, it came after it came later, this mission statement, but it came after having a little bit of knowledge of, okay, I'm loving doing this. I'm loving doing what I do for a living now. How do I want to make it, make sure that it's really meaningful, um, yeah. for me. So, yeah.
0: And i I love so I'm going back to um and I want to talk about earning with intention yes of <laughs> because course. yeah I just think it's such a big part of it and i I feel like um a little envious sometimes. Because I didn't, you know, I had a blog for a while uh, in actually like around 2001, but it was anonymous and I didn't put my name on it and I trashed it. And then I started a new one and trashed that one. But I didn't, I feel like when a lot of people were starting blogging in that 2004, 2005 space, they had a lot of freedom because nobody was expecting to earn anything from it. Yes. So there was all this freedom to figure out who you were and where you fit. Yes. Um, and for those of us who started seriously a little later... We we're sort of thrust into this world where it was like serious business. yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And, and I feel even worse for people, you know, I'm, st- I've been doing it for six years now on my current site. So like people coming in now, their heads must be spinning. And I think it makes it really hard sometimes to establish the who you are and what you stand for early and yeah. then sort of, ease that into your profession or even just, um, a method of earning. So I want to talk, I'm going to bring up a few things that I personally struggled with. And I'm wondering if you, you know, maybe have some thoughts or advice, please counsel okay. me, Karen. <laughs> well, That's really why much, I got you on the phone. Well, just some thoughts that have, have come into my head is one thing, you know, we were talking about the piecemeal and some people are great at the piecemeal and the hustle. Yep. And, I think when what has taken me a while to sort of wrap my brain around and accept is when I'm not good at something, it really doesn't matter. I mean, and, and what I mean by not good, it's not a skill I can just pick up. It's like on a deep soul yeah. level. I'm just not good at that. Yep. Um, it doesn't matter how much I try. It's never going to ring true to anyone, and it's never going to deliver the same results to me as it does to that person who's great at it. So that's like yep. the first thing I've noticed. And then the second is that it can be really hard to figure out sort of the difference between, um, you know, sort of like gauging your success. Like you're, you base it sometimes on what other people, um, perceive as your success or how many people are coming to you with opportunities, even though a lot of them stink or aren't, just aren't you. Um, and it can become really difficult to figure out your personal line of enough. So I'm wondering if you can kind of speak to both of those things generally or specifically to how you've encountered either one. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um And yeah. with that,
0: please. <laughs> um, uh,
1: I'm I'm trying to figure out how to answer your question without sounding like a crotchety old woman telling everybody to get uh. off their lawn.
0: Um You can sound a little bit crotchety. <laughs> you know,
1: um so so it's just the two of us, right? Right, we can speak yeah. The, right just between us, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: And whoever chooses to listen <laughs> and, in. No, if you get way too crotchety, no, I'll bring no, no. you in. <laughs>
1: we're going to pretend nobody's listening here. Okay. I'm skip- okay. I'm, we're gonna- this is a secret, right? <laughs> okay.
0: We're just going to pretend.
1: Um, to be really, really frank, I don't know that I would have started blogging if I was just waking up to blogging now. mm mm-hmm. um, The hustle isn't me. It's not what I'm about. It's not what I do. And, um, and I think if I came into blogging with the idea that blogging was a way to make money, I wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, when, when, when I started blogging in 2004, there were so few of us, there was no way that anybody thought any of this was going to ever make money. Right. Yeah. And it was really purely a form of self-expression. It was, there wasn't any other thing about it. And so, um, and, and 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 to be honest with you, I I miss that. I miss, I miss going online and looking for blogs and finding people, um, just expressing themselves. Um, I miss that. So that's the that's the crotchety old lady. You part. didn't sound okay. very crotchety.
0: <laughs> you sounded nostalgic. That's the that, guy. Nostalgic. All right, there we go. <laughs> that, that's a much
1: better spin on exactly. it. Um, that said, um, so. So again for me and and I don't want I don't want to um I don't want to negate the fact that people go out there and they start blogging and they do the hustle and they they make good money at it. I I don't want to I don't want to um, I don't want to denigrate that because I feel like that's just the evolution of blogging. Like it's not right. um that's where it, it is now. It's not something that I particularly do. And so for me it's become very important to start thinking of uh other ways to make money Mm. okay so like for example i don't have advertising on my site um i tried it for a while and i really uh didn't like how the images that come up in advertising would compete with the images i was creating for my site like i you know i mean i'm a photographer and so uh for me aesthetically i just didn't like how it looked on my site so uh so that went by the wayside. So the way that I tend to make most of my money now is I do, I do online courses or I do public speaking and I do, I find other ways to sort of, um, make my income and let my blogging still be self-expression right. for me. Um, is it as lucrative as somebody who's got the hustle? Maybe not, you know, uh, frankly, I don't know that getting into blogging right now to make money is necessarily a realistic thing any more (laughs) than, than getting into singing right now to become wealthy is right. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could do it. It might happen, but I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think the odds are more against you now because there's just so much out there. Right. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, I, you know, I'm, I, I definitely feel that tension. Um, there's a part of me that a lot of times feels like, uh, why do I even do this anymore? um, (laughs) Because, you know, it's it's just so different. It's, you know, the conversations really don't happen on blogs anymore. They happen in other forms of social media. Yeah, and, yes. And there's all this other stuff that I'm like, well, why do I do this? And ultimately, for me, it's I need a place to put my words and to put my, my images. Right. And, and the truth of the matter is that I don't know what I'll be doing um, for a living 5, 10, 20 years from now. But I feel pretty confident that Chukalunks will live, even if I'm doing something totally different. Because yeah. for me my site is a place of self-expression and I love doing it. And I love doing it even if I don't make any money on it. And so I think that that's one thing, but I think the other thing that you have to do with as far as intention, and that is intentional for me. Like I, Mm. I'm sure I could, you know, I mean, I've been around long enough that I have an audience and I'm sure if I wanted to, I could figure out a way to hustle and do all that other stuff. But it, I know it's not, it's not who I am. And so it wouldn't be fun for me. It wouldn't be fun for the people who do follow me. And I, I just can't do that. But, um, and it's funny, you know, this is the end of the year that we're taping this. And so I'm in a very introspective mode anyway, as far as what, <laughs> as far as what yeah. the, the coming year is going to be. But I have to be really sort of intentional about, okay. Um, if my site is my site and I'm writing, it's a self-expression, what is the way that I'm going to make my money? And I think that that's a question that each of us has to each of us who are creative online has to answer that question for ourselves, and I don't think there's any right or wrong answer to that. Right?
0: No, I agree, and I I don't think that you sound crouchy at all. And I've I've had a lot of the same thoughts. Um, on the one hand, I think it's amazing and awesome that people can earn from home in situations where ten years ago or more that would not have been possible. You know, yep. and that's so been so empowering. Um, but you know, it always has the other side, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there's always the other side to that. And I cringe a little when I see a lot of people jumping on a form, like on a formula that seems to be working because by the time you can see it working on a mass scale, it's already done. I yeah. feel, you know, sure. if if you see it happening around you and you think, wow, lots of people are making a go of this in this specific way, it's probably dying out already. <laughs> you just don't even right. see it happening. So yeah, right. but I but what you're saying really does always come back to those are the three things that you love to do, and you'll be doing those things no matter what, right. and that's always going to come through to your readers and your audience. Yeah, uh, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, one of the
1: things, and I, 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 this, this now, I know I will get crotchety, and <laughs> and one of the things that I would challenge people to do, um, and this is crotchety old woman talking, is I would really love to see more people doing. Um, making millions, making crazy money, putting good in the world. Yeah. Because I feel like there's a lot of people who are becoming very, very, um, very wealthy through snark and through yes. meanness and through um, mm. being unkind and sort of, you know, this sort of like meanness as humor, mm-hmm. um, yeah. sar- the sarcasm and edginess as as uh, as humor. And I find it a little um, disheartening. I, I, you know, I would love to see. I love when I see people who are really being creative and really putting stuff out there. And it's not to say I don't like edge. Like I love edgy. I love provocative. I think that's great. Um, I, I, it's it's the stuff that's at the expense of other people that right. that sort of um, I find really disheartening. And so I, I hope that the next amazing social media person, whether or not it's you know. Blogging or some other way, like holograms. I, hope,
0: I think it's going to be holograms. Ho, okay, or holograms <laughs> exactly.
1: You know, or smellovision or whatever. Right, I hope, smellovision. I hope that they're doing it. I hope they do it because they're putting good out there. Because I really think that, um, especially in light of recent events, I just think that there's not enough good being put out there. And I think yeah. I wish you know it's certainly something I'm focused on. But then you know I'm not one of the biggest blogs on the planet, and I feel like a lot of the biggest blogs on the planet sort of capitalize on on misery or on superiority, feeling, you know, helping people Mm. feel better than other people. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I, I find that really disheartening. So I I will put that challenge out there for whoever's listening to consider how you can put more good in the world.
0: I love that. And it, it brings me perfectly to the last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up, which I think will apply to anyone, even if, um, even if they, you know, just want to add more creativity to their lives or, and don't necessarily want to do it and make money out of it, or do it for a living, yep. and it ties in perfectly with what you were saying about social media, which I do feel like has just, I guess, con- has concentrated <laughs> the stream so much yep. with lowest common denominator stuff, um, and it's manipulative, and it it's appealing to our basest, you know, and every we all have it, right? I mean, that's, that's I'm right. not gonna say I don't laugh to myself sometimes when something really mean comes up in my but it it kind of just breeds this culture of it and it's in our faces all day long. Yeah. And the other thing I've noticed about that um is that I get in this consumption pattern where I'm just consuming 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 and I don't create. So, yeah. I'll be like looking at my Facebook just mindlessly staring at yep. my Facebook and the, I've realized now that the more I'm mindlessly staring at Facebook the less I write and the less creative I am. And I'm just wondering, I mean, besides, you know, it's so obvious to say, put yourself on a diet or only check in once a day or whatever. I'm just Mm -hmm. wondering if you kind of have some things, how you put some parameters on that for yourself to keep it from infiltrating your life in that way.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, we, you know, for those of us who make a living online, it's kind of got to turn off. (laughs) You know, like right, we have to
0: be online. Yeah. You got to be online, and yeah. so
1: like, you, you, like I am definitely on a media diet as far as television. Like, we don't have cable, and and that's mm-hmm. all. But you know, I'm online, and and this is what I do. But um, I you know, I do put myself on a media diet in that, um, like on Facebook, you know, I may have friends who have a tirade of being unhappy, and that's kind of how they do their thing. And honestly, I. I unfollow them. Is that the awful to say? Button?
0: No, I I think that's self preservation.
1: I just unfollow. I am big about. I am.
0: I love the unfollow. I right? didn't even really realize you could do that until recently. I thought that they would know. Um, uh, me too, and they
1: don't. <laughs> they don't know. They it's, have no it's idea.
0: Very,
1: it's very very sneaky. But I was like, you <laughs> yeah. know what, my my friendship with you depends on me not following you. Right. right. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. So I definitely do that. Um, I'm a big feedly person because I read a lot of blogs and mm. I get inspired by a lot of blogs and I, um. You know, like maybe once every six months, I actually go out and look for new blogs. But pretty much, I've got I've got a lot. Like I follow maybe two hundred blogs, right? Right. But they're all pretty positive, and they're all pretty awesome. So I'm I'm I really curate. It's attention again, man. I curate yeah. what I see. So even though I'm getting a barrage of of stuff on Facebook and on you know on Instagram, which by the way I. I actually really love Instagram because Instagram does tend to be more positive. It's very
0: positive. Yes, yes. I love it too. So I, and it yeah, doesn't stress me out like Pinterest. Pinterest stresses me out for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> and Instagram yeah. does not do that to me.
1: Pinterest, so. Pinterest doesn't stress me out because I'm also really intentional about what I'm looking for. Oh, true. Yeah. You know, So I'm really, really kind of like I'm very careful about that. I follow very few people on Pinterest. Um, I, follow, I follow very few people on Twitter. And, mm-hmm. and pretty much it's sort of like, okay, if you – are making me happy, then I will follow you. And if yeah. you make me unhappy, then I respect you, but I probably am not going to keep close tabs on you. And, um, you And know, And
0: I-, I think that even recognizing that someone is making you unhappy takes, um, some reflection sometimes. Sure. Like you have to check in with yourself a little bit about that. And I had someone who kept popping up in my Facebook feed, someone whose kids are friends with my kids. So I felt like I had to be your friend. And I finally, I mean, it took me like a year. I don't know what, took me so long, but I finally realized that every single time she came up, I had this tiny little, almost imperceptible stress response. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) And if I wasn't paying attention, I didn't even notice it. I'd just be like, my shoulders would just kind of crank up a little bit. I'd be like, (laughs) ugh. And then I would just go about my day. And finally I realized, oh, this isn't good for me. I'm just going to unfollow. So. I'm a big fan
1: of unfollow. You know, that makes me sound like a really horrible person, but. No, I I
0: think it's just life.
1: I think it is.
0: I think, I mean, and
1: and frankly, you know, if you follow everybody, it's like drinking from a fire hose, man. You can't do that. You can't. We all
0: have to figure out how to like, I mean, this has all happened so quickly. Yeah. You know, all of the way that we interact with people, we have to figure out ways to filter it.
1: Yes. We can't
0: not, we can't just swim in this ocean all the time. Yeah. And the
1: other thing is I don't like, I don't do all the social media. Like I've never seen a four square. Right. Like, oh, yeah, so, no, no. so that's the other thing is like, I'm like, I am also really intentional about like what social media I'm on. And often now at this point, because of course I make my living on, on online, like if some new thing comes up, I will like get an account just so I can save chukulunks like save the name. Yeah. But I may never be on it again. I, right. I'm like, I'm not. This is not where I'm going to be. I'm not. We don't
0: all go. have to be new, you know, uh, early adopters. Of, of exactly right. I think that what was that social network that just came up last month that now no one's talking about? That's ello. A perfect. Yeah, ello. ello. Remember ello? Yeah, I remember? Like, oh, that yeah, was so I was cute. I like, was
1: like ello. I'm like okay, and I saved took months, and I never got on it again. I'm like, yeah, exactly. You
0: know, I'm like, why? No, there's too much. There's too yeah, much. I'm getting too old for that stuff anyway. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, that's a whole other podcast right there.
0: Exactly. So, well, Karen, this has been great, and uh, I could talk to you all day but unfortunately i do have to wrap it up um is there anything we didn't get to or i might have talked over you at some point that you feel like you just want to kind of sum up here or
1: no i know this was so much fun i mean the only point that i always ever try to make is go be kind to each other and and put good things out there that's that that would be good
0: okay well that's a really nice way to end it thank you so much for being on the show
1: always my pleasure
0: Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of The Home Hour. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Again, I will be recording right here from Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Show um, talking about some of the great products that are here to help make family life easier and specifically my partner, Whirlpool, who uh, brought me out here. So I'm grateful to them for that. (laughs) Um, Definitely check back and listen. If you want to find out anything more about what we talked about today, you can find show notes for all of the previous podcasts at thehomehour.com this one is episode 47. So if you go to the happiesthome.com backslash episode 47, it'll take you right to the show notes for this show. And there's links to some of the things that Karen and I talked about today, like her mission statement and some of the other posts that we discussed. Thanks again for being here and we'll talk next week.